0: My name is JT Van Zant. I'm a fly fishing guide on the Gulf Coast of Texas. Being on the water has always been the secret to unlocking my soul. I just feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in this life. And that feeling inspires deep thought and conversations with my clients who are all of varied backgrounds. I truly enjoy sharing perspective on the human experience with folks I take fishing. Drifting, a Yeti Presents podcast, was created with the goal of capturing those candid conversations with people who inspire me and sharing them with an audience that has the same sort of restlessness and curiosity that I do. I have found that the best way to provide wisdom and hope for future generations is to learn from the folks that have blazed the trail before us and have made tough decisions in the pursuit of living an extraordinary life. I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening to Drifting. One of the greatest personal perks you guys to do in this Yeti podcast, drifting, is the places I go and the people I talk to. On a recent trip to Hawaii, on the island of Lanai, I shared a house with Shane Dorian and Mark Healy. I couldn't believe it was actually happening. These guys are superstars of their sport. I couldn't picture myself in the room, but after a day of hunting, we had dinner and sat down at the dinner table and just started talking about the day's events. Please enjoy this conversation between Shane, Mark, and myself.
1: Really scary. What is it
0: that Lanai stays so dry? Dry? Yeah. Why didn't it get the same kind of rain that Maui and Molokai get?
2: I don't know. Not high enough mountains, I guess.
0: Yeah, did you know that... You know the trade that- winds where they, the, those islands rob all the moisture somehow? I don't really get it
1: yeah well they all block they all get the well we get trade winds like crazy here too but <laughs> my understanding was that like lanai was was like it got basically no rain back in the day that's why they that's why all the pine trees are here that's why all the the trees were planted there was no tree like actual it's trees here land, right yeah there's nothing here and they planted all the trees to try and get the basically the clouds and the condensation and the rain to start
2: and that's why i wasn't i don't think there was very big hawaiian settlements here before like this is Lanai was where they sent the misfits it was kind of like the prison island in a way for maui and molokai i guess huh like and that's why when king kamehameha came through here apparently he just didn't have a lot of tolerance for anybody on the island any of the hawaiians he came in and just went you guys are gone
0: yeah like all those little rock piles and foundations by the Four Seasons down there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm sh- there were Hawaiian settlements, but I'm just not sure how big the population was. And that's the thing is, like, uh, a lot of the fresh water got diverted for the pineapple and everything, so you don't really know what the what the true water capacity of the island was.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to look up the actual history. I think it was like Maui land and Maui Lanon and pine who put all the pine trees in. It was bow hunting, long,
0: right? <laughs>
1: long long <time>. Yeah, always.
0: <laughs> Kamehameha brought deer. Intentionally chose Axis Deer, is that right?
1: The the deer were a gift
2: to one of his sons. Yeah, it was either Kamehameha the second or Kamehameha the third. From the gift. king of like
0: Thailand or something? I
2: don't know. Kong.
0: Hong Kong. I
1: don't know. It was really weird. You know, you know how Hong Kong was a territory of the UK? Yep. Back in the day. So what I heard was, and it's super weird if you go online and try and like research it. I, what, what I looked up was like, it was actually a, a, a gift from, the, from England, but it came from Hong Kong or something like that. Because the, yeah. the deer are Asian deer from Sri Lanka
2: in India, which was part of the British Empire. Yeah. That's why we still have the Union Jack on the state flag. Yeah. the it's British so were in first.
1: yeah, all kinds of weird stuff going on. so yeah they they introduced him in on Molokai, a gift to the king.
0: Have you guys ever thought about leaving
2: Hawaii for good?
1: Yeah no no no, not for good.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah no yeah no i pretty much i'm the same <laughs>
1: yeah i've thought about like doing a chapter in a different place even now with my family just recently actually we were talking about it a little bit but no not not like permanently yeah it would be hard to hard to leave i was born and raised in hawaiians like that's kind of the
0: answer i expected Hawaii. You, you meet people from Texas, New Mexico, New York. Good portion of them split. You know. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, same with Hawaii. People just mostly because the cost of living is so high, um, they have to move, and uh, that's pretty sad. And I, I don't know how people get by over here. It's so expensive. I, I think I'm doing fairly okay, and I'm, you know, <laughs> just paying yeah. off my one mortgage can't imagine yeah
0: property taxes aren't like huge though right it's more just like eight dollar gallon milk and stuff like that and well, everything
1: basically yeah Gas and Gas try and raise a bags. family try and send your kids to school and buy cars and insurance and health insurance and food and trying to take your kids on a snowboard trip yeah, I mean, out of hand. Where you go, sure. Well,
2: yeah. yeah, and you look on the north shore uh, of Oahu, where I grew up. Like, if you don't, if you haven't made enough capital to put a down payment on a house, which your average house is like at least nine hundred grand for like a shabby house these days. Um, if you want a three bedroom, like small cane house, basically, to for your family, it's like three grand a month
0: what's a cane house like a sugar shock like
2: the ones that we're in yeah you know single wall construction plantation yeah plantation houses um so yeah you you never get ahead you're just kind of like in the cycle of just getting by just getting by there's not a lot of jobs out there that are going to pay you more than three grand a month um you know like and those
1: prices are never going down they're constantly going up, yeah. so you have this feeling of like, if I don't buy it now, I am never going to be able to afford it, you know. And it's true. Were you if,
0: thinking, Shane, like California or something?
1: Uh, the the reason I was considering doing like a chapter away from home is just the volcano around my house has yeah. been pretty serious the last couple months. There's been like a recent eruption that's basically took it's taken like over 800 houses and, um completely changed the landscape and the coastline of the big island and all of that there's been like these 30,000 foot ash plumes and smoke and all this ash and all that stuff gets blown to my side of the island so the the air quality has been terrible so even though i don't have like health issues from it and stuff like that my wife deals with a little bit and i was just like screw it like this is fate we're supposed to bail for a little while let's go go live in bali for a little bit or let's go like let's move to the gold coast in australia um for a little bit and i don't know she was kind of over it but i thought it was like a fun idea
0: <laughs> some of that stuff because like on the big island aren't there aren't there haven't there been like pits where you can see the lava flowing like your whole life you can look at yeah. a hole and see it. yeah and now it's rerouted and there's basically it's been above land and it might be like that for our Lifetime essentially, and there's no well, telling, right?
1: There's no be. telling. Uh, yeah, basically, there's been an eruption going since the early 80s. I don't know, don't quote me on that fact, but yeah, since I was a little kid, it's been erupting. Um, but this recent eruption is like completely different. Like the seismic activity, like jacked up like crazy, like you know, 300 earthquakes a day, and all of a sudden, like this crazy just like a totally different type of eruption basically happening um so because of that we've had our, our air quality's gotten pretty crappy so i was just you know saying let's just wait this one out and go do something different for a little bit you know i, I luckily my job is not a real it's not like the type of job that needs to i i if i'm at home i'm basically not working anyway so i could move to australia i could move to california i could move to you know Kinda like a semester abroad <laughs> sort of deal.
0: Back to your earlier point, like the was it eight hundred homes in just this last eruption or is yes. it like fifteen hundred
1: total fifteen hundred like it was like, like eight hundred in three months. Yeah.
0: And those people there's no affordable housing. Are they just in like refugee camp type situation? There's no Everybody's like, different. Yeah.
1: There's there's definitely like some shelters and stuff that you can go to, but a lot of people that's they most, of, a lot of those people, like a large percentage of those people move there from somewhere else. Like people that come to Hawaii on vacation from like the South or someplace that is kind of semi inexpensive and they come to Hawaii and they're like, I wanna live here but it's really expensive. So where can we move to? And that's like, that place is really inexpensive yeah. because it's in a volcanic area that it's really sketchy. And so these people move there, build a house. And I mean, there's definitely local people who live there. Don't get me wrong. But for a lot of those people, they, they move there. That's their dream. They built their house. You kind of can, not a lot of those places, you can't get homeowner's insurance. You basically just build it and uh, it's not bonded. and
0: were those cane the, houses? mainly the volcanoes, or were they more affluent? They're houses? more
1: like a package house that you go to like HPM or Home Depot and you buy like this home package and a contractor so long, comes super and builds expensive it. Expensive houses. Yeah, as cheap as it gets for right. sure in Hawaii. And then if the volcano comes and burns it down, you, there's nothing you can really do.
0: Could, it, do you Pretty wild have though. Volcano insurance? No. Or, so it's not covered, <laughs> huh? No. If it's Not a is- chance.
2: <laughs> so where Fisher 8 is now was like somebody's lawn before, right? Yeah. So there's a 300-foot high cinder cone belching lava night and day. It used to be somebody's yard. It's pretty crazy to see.
1: Yeah. Like a rad neighborhood with beautiful homes. And, yeah, I mean, people's hopes and dreams all built there for like the last, you know, 50 years or whatever it is. Just wild to see it. Everything's just completely changed on that side.
0: When did y'all come to Lanai for the first time? Hmm.
2: Probably. It was on you radar. It was my first right. bow hunt, actually, with you. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that trip. Uh, that was uh, the first time I, I got my bow, like, three days before. I thought I was just going to go and kick ass and do good at it. <laughs> Boy, did I have another thing coming.
0: If y'all were... If you were introduced to bow hunting as kids, would you be pro, pro surfers now? Cause y'all are like. Uh, that's a good question. It wouldn't have helped. It would not have helped the,
2: the surfing career at all.
0: you probably surf for fun cause you bow hunted for a living. No, I don't know if I could ever bow hunt for a living. <laughs> I don't know if there is a living in it. Yeah, no. exactly. How yeah. about our day?
1: I mean, how awesome is yeah. this place? It really is. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a, I don't know. I'm such a fan of Lanai. I, you know, I, I, I had never been to Lanai until I started bow hunting. And as soon as I started bow hunting, I, I started trying to hunt deer on Molokai and Maui. And then I met a couple guys over here on Lanai, the main person being Jason Maderos, And, um, I met him. He's like a local, like legend around here who kills a lot of deer with his bow. And So I met him and he was like, yeah, you should just cruise over, stay with me and let's go hunting. You met him on the big island? No, actually I was friends with his cousin on the big island. And so I spoke to Jason on the phone and he was like, yeah, just get a ticket, come over here and stay with me. And, you know, I'll I'll take you hunting. I didn't know anything about deer. I didn't know anything about Lanai. That was how long ago? uh, Probably like 10 years ago now. So I came over and just fell in love. Yeah, fell in love with it
2: yeah it's uh, lanai is like it reminds me of when i was a kid like what hawaii was like before you know you get the little cane camp kind of zones and everybody waves to each other on the road Um, not that that even actually happened on oahu when i was a kid but But you you just get your arm
0: out waving back at folks here
2: yeah absolutely and even it's funny you could be driving like a bright red rental jeep and the most like Local person will still wave at you, which is just—I don't know anywhere else in the world that that actually happens. Especially so, in Hawaii. So especially in Hawaii.
0: I mean, it brings out the best in you to have someone wave at you going mm-hmm. down the
1: street. and Just the the vibe is so friendly. Like you go to the grocery store, you go to dinner, you go to the gas station, and people want to know where you went hunting and if you did good, and you know where you have an action at, and what are you, you're hunting with a bow rifle. They just want to chat and talk to you and people are just cool and friendly here
0: is the hunting different on lanai than on the other islands yeah it's
1: lanai basically has the only high quality public hunting in all of
2: hawaii am i yeah it's got to be and then the year-round stuff um you got super talented bow hunters here um and i say that just because i'm only familiar with the bow hunting side but uh guys that grew up here born and raised bow in their hands since they were 10 years old spot and stock hunting these deer and so these public areas like there's such a large amount of deer passing through any given place on this island that there's going to be animals but the ones that are going through those areas have phds they've had been hunted year round since they've been born 365 really really good guys that are good because they hunt year round since they were little kids so um it makes for this incredible dynamic where you're gonna see animals, but it's probably gonna still be a lot harder than places with way less of a population density, which is kind of like an oxymoron in a lot of ways. And I think it catches people off guard. Well, there's no season. Like on the mainland, if you're hunting whitetails, it's all
1: they state have,
0: regulated, huh? Yeah,
1: and they have this this whole like whatever, I don't know, six-month period or nine-month period where the whitetails They don't have to worry about much they're chilling you know no one's trying to kill them for a while right and then all of a sudden whitetail season starts and it starts here in lanai people are trying to kill these deer 24 7 (laughs) all year long with guns you know like in a lot of places and so the deer are just on edge
2: super alert and that being said though the population just keeps going up yeah and they do nighttime shooting to try to control the population so it might sound like it's really hard on the deer having People hunting them all year round, but the axis deer, especially in Hawaii, their breeding cycle is unlike other deer. So it can sustain that; it actually outpaces the hunting pressure. Yeah,
0: they have a couple, um, a couple different breeding seasons per year. A couple different ruts, and it's all random per deer. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Like, like deer are always pregnant here?
1: They are, and a lot of times you have twins here. You'll see a a doe with twins, which is pretty unusual, I think, with other deer. And there's no natural predators. There's no wolves. There's no mountain lions. There's no um, wild dogs here. There's no coyotes. And so, like, nothing's killing these deer except for hunters. So, it's a damn good thing those deer taste good. Imagine how gnarly the population (laughs) would be if they tasted like crap
2: oh geez, the state would be spending
1: like tens white-tail. millions I mean tra- you can you can uh, you need to get yourself into trouble
0: taking yourself a ditch whitetail and people claim you can make a backstrap or I I don't like it there's a gaminess to it that Axis just don't have and yeah. they're chewing guava over here as well you know it's, pretty it's a
2: clean meat you can tell when you eat it that you're like oh this is good for my body
0: yeah what was your, your you brought him the first time you brought Mark over, Shane. We, yeah,
1: we just did the same. We we did a trip. We did a trip. We had a we had a some friends who had a place here to go hunting and basically invited us over here to go hunt and did a trip together
2: and tried to kill some
1: deer with our bows.
0: That was your first bow hunting experience. Mark? Yeah,
2: I got my bow three days before I came on the trip. Nice. And it was so funny too because the first two arrows that I shot, I shot this target at twenty yards. I Robin Hooded it. I've never done that again. It's like so, I had her. It was like God has a sense of humor and just fucks with me you all split the time. It, you He's sp- like, you split "How your many
0: first arrow with your second arrow?" Yeah,
2: I, I, you've already got like unrealistic self worth and confidence. Let's. I'm gonna encourage this and then crush you down the line to back up <laughs> your
0: professional spirit,
2: fisherman. So, well, that's a little different. Like that almost feels like um, the hunt. Hunting side of it, like the stalking and just understanding the way animals kind of move and perceive the world, in some ways translates. But spear gun is more instinctual. It's more like shooting like a traditional bow or something. You just, right. you don't and really think down about down it. in Name
0: like a, a sight. A yeah, beat.
2: it's almost like an extension of your arm, right? Yeah, you just point. I always think. Yeah you know pretty much anybody can point at something with their finger and if there's laser shooting out of it it'd pretty much be hitting so the spear gun the spear shaft's just resting above your finger usually depending on the type of spear gun you're shooting so you just think of pointing and pull the trigger
0: do y'all feel like, like- not
2: so easy with a bow
1: Not that it's easy.
0: (laughs) Do you feel like there's a purity in this pursuit for you guys that matches like your early days doing what you do professionally now? Because you're both passionate about it. Yeah. All you think about when you're not. Yeah,
2: there definitely is. And um, there's so much room for improvement. I like to be a part of something that I'm passionate about that keeps me outdoors. And I know there's a ton of room for improvement on my end. And this gives that to you in spades, um, and just it's a, it's another thing where you have to learn how to control your emotions, your mind, your thoughts. And I'm still like pretty much a yard sale when a big animal comes in <laughs> front of me. I'm like trying to pull my shit together, and tell I don't get like story, that.
0: Tell that story from today. I mean, it's pretty incredible.
2: Oh, about that big buck. Yeah. That? Oh gosh, so. Um, I saw these, these deer a couple of times during the day off in the distance. So it seemed like they're kind of staging in this area. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to use the wind. I'm going to circle around and I'm coming around through this area. That was really sparse red dirt and some little clumps of uh, small brush basically look like tumbleweeds and, uh, I'm crouching through there and I run into this giant buck that's sleeping with his head facing me it it looked like he was dead i've never seen a deer so asleep it
0: was at first right no i had no idea
2: i was like what is that it like that can't be a deer it looks like a pile of something
0: from 15 yards away you were unsure yeah it 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 was
2: bizarre because of the way it was sitting and its head was kind of like rolled in its nose was tucked in it was kind of wrapped up in a ball and I actually used my binos to figure out what it was. I'm like, is that like a dead fawn? What is it?
0: Binoculars from and it's yards. just a
2: face that I'm looking at. I'm like, Oh my God, it's a buck. And it's a really big buck. And long story short, I end up taking a shot at like 14 yards or something. And my broad head hits a small twig, opens up and deflects and this buck gets up and I didn't even realize how big it was. It was a monster. That was my, that was my lucky get out of jail free. Here's your big chance, Mark. Seal the deal. <laughs> oh, couldn't do it. Your first trip over here, were you?
0: Were you Johnny on the spot, or was it? Oh man, a lot of failures. No, you crushed it. I the had full
1: on like beginner's luck when I got here. I um. I'd only hunted axis deer one time before coming here. Um, I hunted on Molokai once, a couple days, got really lucky, shot a deer, um, and then like some time had passed, and I talked to Jason, and he said you should come to Lanai, come hunting, I'll show you around, I'll you know we'll hunt public land. What a
0: treat! He's the man. Yeah,
1: he's the man, and um, I didn't really know him, and he's you know just full of all spirit, just invited me over to go hunting and, and he was like, I'll, I'll put you in some spots and hopefully we'll see some deer, you know, kind of thing. And so I came over here and bought a tag that was good for a year for 50 bucks. And, um, we went to a public, public spot first day. I went and got my license, drove about five minutes, got out of the truck, walked about five minutes. He put me in a bush with a, like a five gallon bucket. And there was like a little cut lane in front of us and he said you know the deer like to come out here but a lot of times they come out after dark so if you get lucky you'll have one come by before dark did he go off
0: on on his own
1: no so he sat um in another bush that was like 50 yards away so there was like this kind of cut lane and there was like these bushes that were kind of made into like brush blinds and so of course i didn't really know much about deer so i just sat there like just like on pins and needles kind of like watching and trying to listen and hear and that's smell the shit. and that's the shit. And yeah. so I was just like on edge the whole time, like all excited. And I was just like staring at these bushes in front of me the whole time, trying to pick them apart, trying to listen for some sort of deer and I couldn't hear or see anything. So I looked down for like a mi- for like 10 seconds. it seems like, and I look up and there's this monstrous buck, 12 yards away walking <laughs> towards me in the complete clearing. There's no bushes between me and him or nothing like that, just the bush that I'm sitting in. And he's walking towards me, looking at me at like 12 yards, 13 yards. And I have an arrow knocked, my release is on, but he's looking at me and there's nothing blocking me. So he walks like kind of quartering two, and there's a bush right in the middle of the blind for me to like kind of duck behind just barely. It's like the bush is like six inches across. So I have very little cover. So his head just goes right behind the little bush. I somehow get to full draw the whole time i'm thinking okay he's gonna run he's gonna run for sure he's gonna run there's no way he's just too close i'm drawing my bow he's gonna make a sound something and i get it to full draw and i get my my eye in the peep and he comes popping out the other side just like a hunting video and just stops and just staring in the in the blind <laughs> and my pin somehow gets to his chest and then i release and he didn't take a step he just literally just hit the dirt it's what? the best thing first. ever
2: wow oh my god and i god. just
1: met jason he picked me up in his truck not your first deer ever but your first deer on the night my first deer on the night yeah and i just met jason like an hour earlier we went and got my license and i had this giant block <laughs> a 32 inch <block. laughs>
2: what 32 inch. you block gotta be kidding in me public
1: ground just like first afternoon and as soon as he hit the dirt here comes Jason screaming. I just met the guy, He's screaming out of the other <laughs> other blind, yelling and screaming, so excited, hugging me, and we get the pictures of this giant buck. And I killed four bucks in four days here that first trip. Just like somehow, just like things were clicking, and I was with Jason, and my confidence was high after that first one. And he just put me in the right spots, and I didn't know anything. Or I had no idea what I was doing I just kind of got lucky. And then I through Jason, I met a couple other bow hunters here who took me to some other spots. And I don't know.
0: just, did it go down like that for you every time? No, definitely not. <laughs> I've blown it on so that.
1: many occasions. Yeah. I've paid my dues. Definitely. But man, there's something about these deer that just keep me coming back. I've been super lucky to hunt a lot of different animals in a lot of different locations in the world down and um I don't know something about hunting deer in Hawaii is something so special about it you know the deer are like they're so switched on and the meat's so good and all that stuff but also they're just like the animals are just so healthy there's like never seems to be a drought never seems to be like they're never like looking for food they're never looking for water like seems like they're, they're
0: shiny clean yeah. pretty
2: yeah
1: like the- how's when, when you get one on the ground and you walk up to it, it looks like someone had just shampooed the thing. Yeah. <laughs> like the white <laughs> no of its saying. belly is just like perfectly there's white. There's no ticks here. No ticks.
2: Nope.
0: We have access in Texas. Um, and they're covered in ticks, but they're not mangy like whitetail. Like yeah. Whitetail missing patches of hair. And you can feed them popcorn out of your hand. Like. Really? you know, In my neighborhood. In yeah. areas where they're used to people, because there's no predators there either. Except for man, but um, it's—I mean—it's paradise over here. No. It's really something.
1: Something about those bucks too—the big bucks, those axis deer. Like they're so regal the way they—they way they walk around with their chest out and their big black, like puffed-up neck when they're rutting. And they're so badass and they roar and they're fighting. And I don't know something about those animals. Are just like I don't think I could ever get sick of hunting them. Yeah. What other hunting trips or have just you done watching with your them. Buck? I've hunted, I've hunted uh, mule deer and elk in both Colorado and Utah for both species. Hunted in Colorado, I've hunted in uh, California for deer and pigs. Hunted in New Zealand for tar and chamois and fallow deer. Hunted in Australia for red deer, rusa deer, and fallow deer and hogs.
0: Has anything topped Hawaii hunting for access?
1: No. And I'm a, I love elk hunting. Do you find
0: yourself twiddling your thumb, like waiting for animals
1: to show up? Yeah. It's you get swelled <laughs> well. in Hawaii, man. Like the hunting in Hawaii uh, is tough, but you get a lot of opportunities because there's a lot of animals. That's and, the thing, um, the
0: tough part. Like you're still, you've got your eyes on one. Yeah. And you're following it. It's not like you're just walking around kicking yeah. rocks and.
2: Lose yeah, your
0: concentration, oh yeah. start looking for
2: arrows you can't, or something. You can't slip for a second. Like, as soon as you hit that crash from being up at 4 a.m. at midday when you're kind of walking around yeah. hoping you're going to find something bedded. And as soon as my mind gets off and starts wandering for a second, I get busted and blow everything yeah. out. Like, every single time.
0: What have you learned to do differently walking around? Fucking you just it up.
2: Can't be loud. You can't, like, there's just... Or fast. Yeah, you You can't rush them. It's just not an option. You can have a beautiful animal in front of you, and if it's a noisy bush that you have to go through, you have to back out and just not even go for it. And it's so tempting to the just try to force it. Like,
0: there's places you can't walk in, or you're just snagged.
2: Oh, God.
1: And how's the way they see you... Like you see them before they see you, you have perfect cover. You're behind a bush and you're like, Hey, I see the deer. They don't see me. They're coming in 65 yards or whatever it is. It's
0: blowing 25. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: The wind's perfectly in your face and you're behind a bush and you're like, just like, kind of like trying to consider what your options are. And next thing you know, they look, they're looking in the bush and you can tell all of a sudden they're just like doing that weird head thing where they're like looking through the bush that you're way behind. It's just the weird. I've never hunted deer like that. That are so switched on and can like pick off, pick you out your 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 silhouette through a super thick bush that you're behind. Yeah. just crouched down, or completely even if they concealed. Don't see,
0: what sense is it where they're already staring at you? You don't yeah. know.
2: Yep. How they
0: picked up on you?
2: And yeah. I've I've I play around with it. Like I've I've tested it, and it sounds hokey, but I swear, like some of them, like those lead does, have like a sixth sense. I'll watch them through my binos from like the behind over a...
0: The the bucks, you think?
2: Oh yeah, the bucks are yeah, would the all be dead would be if it wasn't for the does. <laughs> the lead doe, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the lead does, but I'll be glassing them and, and watching them and this thing will be 300 yards away and I'm behind a bush and I'll just watch her head kick up and look straight in my direction. No way she can see me and just lock on and stop the whole herd for five minutes straight, just staring my direction. <laughs> There's no way she sees me or smells me or hears me. They just can, I, I guess that's probably how they become the lead doe of the herd. But that's the one that. And tigers, gets...
0: right? That was their main predator. Yeah, exactly.
2: Bangled tigers. And then they came to Hawaii and ran into a bunch of ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the, I think the only thing that, that really gets me
1: you know, on that same level, like axis deer is elk elk are are pretty exciting man when they come I running in that. when they come into a cow call and they come in just like rutting and their nostrils are flaring and they're just like so just ramped up and they're bugling like crazy and really neat to see that
2: i'll person never sit and hear it through the forest like just echoing i i did my first elk hunt last september and i'll never miss an elk hunt fall unless i'm like seriously incapacitated did you again. get one mark i did oh my god somehow i got a nice bull on public land Whoa. you're screwed man that's, i'm <laughs> so hosed yeah give
1: it up I, that's like the worst thing I, that can happen almost well <laughs> you know?
2: thankfully i had friends you know um ken and uh, ryan callahan from first light they hosted me and they know what they're doing and so uh yeah, we did a lot of hiking for days before we ever saw one, but yeah, ended up coming together. It was pretty funny. I was, <clears throat> I come from Hawaii, I've never been to elk hunting. I'm like all excited and everything. And the first light office is right there. So I meet everybody in there. Everybody hunts and they're all excited. They're like, oh, can I switch and out shifts so they can go hunt, you know? And then I shoot this bull come back to the office and we're talking about it. And they see the head and you can tell everyone's like, yeah, stoked for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been hunting 20 fucking years and I haven't yeah. shot one like that on public land. Yeah. I just got what a gift. Oh my God. It was one of the best trips of my life. Tell me
0: about the hunt.
2: Well, we, <clears throat> we hunted for four days. We are covering a lot of ground, a lot of vertical elevation didn't see a single elk how many miles i don't know you up there for days well we just go all day and then come back okay. sleep at night in a house but uh we were definitely beating the streets out there and then one day we were uh i think ryan was bugling and we just got a wolf howl back and we're like okay we need to move areas so we went to another area and that's where it ended up happening but um it was just crazy how it all went down and I base no. <clears throat> so we got into this valley. He rips a bugle and we hear one like probably at least a thousand feet up somewhere. And, but you can't really tell because there's like these big uh, valleys running up the mountain as well. So we're like, oh, I think it came from this direction. Let's start heading up there and it's already afternoon. And we get like halfway up, hear it again. He's like, okay, we got to get across this canyon if we're gonna try for this. Are you down to try for it? I'm like, yes, let's go. And so we haul ass over there. End up getting onto herd. Had a big bull in it, and uh, we got like my myself with a bow. We got Kenton's got a bow, like just above me, and Cal's running around doing everything. Like it was like amazing to watch he's bugling cow call run over a tree bang a tree and as this herd's moving we're all moving so there's all these moving parts and uh at one point kenton's above me i'm below and there's this giant bull and uh cal's behind me he's doing a bugle and i'd see this bull look down our way be like do i want to fight and kenton would do a cow call and he's like do I want some tail? And he he just sat there and did that. He's like, Do I wanna fight or I want some tail? Do I wanna fight. And while he's doing this, a couple of young cows are just walking right into Kenton and like, oh no, those things are gonna step on him any second. Sure enough, they blow out, the whole herd blows out. And uh Cal comes over and he's like, Well, I think that's game over. I was like, man, that was awesome. I got to see one, got to hear it bugling. That was insane. So he kind of walks off, and I'm sitting there, and there's another valley. And at the bottom of the valley, there's one of those young cows, and halfway up the other side is another one. And they're just sitting there, and it's starting to get close to dark. And I see him move out and go over the ridgeline. And I was like, by myself, I was like, I'm going to. I'm going to run over there as quietly as I can and as fast as I can. I might as well try. I got nothing to lose, but I was kind of debating in my mind because I was leaving like the following day, like, oh, I don't want to mess it up for Kenton because he hasn't filled his tag yet. If he wants to come back here, I was like, what do I do? I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. Go through this valley, come up the other side. And sure enough, one of those cows is just on the top. I hunker down have a stare off with it for probably three minutes straight. What distance? 40 yards. And, uh, lucky, luckily this light wind was blowing in my favor and it moves uphill, which is the direction that the rest of the herd and that big bull went it up. And so I'm, I go a little further and then I hear another bull, rip a bugle downhill from me. I'm like, Oh my God, this bull's alone and he's gonna follow the herd. So I was like, I gotta get it in position. And I run up to this tree, have it at my back, and there's a bunch of brush and then an opening at about 18 yards. I'm like, oh my God, this thing is gonna come right into this opening. So it, I hear it just rip another bugle again. Like as the crow flies, it's probably 60 yards from me and my hands start shaking and I get so, my palms are so sweaty. And I remember my throat being so dry that I was like basically gagging not to clear my throat because I don't wanna spook it. And I could see it moving through the bushes. And right before it gets to the corner, it stops and rips another bugle that like made my bones rattle. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, it's happening. And I go to full draw and I'm shaking and seeing double. <laughs> and I'm like, pull it together, pull it together and i can see it moving through the brush i'm like oh it's coming it's coming and then it just hangs up right there i'm like i remember my palms being so sweaty that i thought the bow was gonna slip out of the hand my hand and and smash me in the face yeah (laughs) so i'm at full draw and i aim my bow down and hold at full draw for i don't know how long it was it was at least two minutes my arms are shaking And then I see it moving again. I'm like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. And it was eight minutes before legal shooting light was over. And instead of it walking straight uphill, as soon as it hit the corner of the brush, it took a hard left and walked directly into me. And um, this thing's coming right at me. It's looking over my head. It's all pissed off and wants to fight. And I just remember actually your story, how you're like, oh, you don't want to shoot him in the chest. And I heard, it, I was thinking about that. I was like, I won't take a shot in his chest. I won't take a, a front on shot. And it keeps coming, it keeps coming. It's looking straight over my head. And it gets like seven yards. And I'm just like shaking like a leaf. But I just remember, I was like, don't look at the antlers. And I'm just, all of my pins were on the, the dark fur on its was chest that Was
0: that something you were told by the outfitter
2: don't look at the antlers no that's what i was telling myself from past experience okay. <laughs> you know i'm like i didn't even look I've at its antlers at all
0: out, so i didn't know if that was a golden rule just or...
2: not to get freaked out yeah. you know and um and so it's right in front of me and all of a sudden and it it sees me and i it rears its head up i was like man this th- this thing's gonna spin and run and it was so close i remember that if something's that close to you you got to actually put your 30 yard pin on it because the twenty yards gonna shoot a little high, and so I had my all my pins were on black fur, put my thirty where I thought it should be, and just let it go. And the it took off, and I heard some crashing. But I was, I've had such shockers before, like I wouldn't let myself believe that it was down, and I just sat there shaking, like what just happened. And then finally, the guys caught up to me you know like what happened i'm like uh i i yeah something happened <laughs> and, <laughs> and and uh Corey, there was another guy there Corey was filming he's like i was like it was at seven yards it was basically self-defense <laughs> at that point i was like saddle is huge and uh ended up it, it went like 50 yards and just tumbled like 100 feet down the wow. steep cliff and it was piled up like i I wouldn't even know how to get this thing out. Like it its leg was stuck in its antlers. It was upside down. Its antlers were stuck around a tree. It's like we're gonna need the jaws of life or at least a chainsaw to get this thing out. And uh Cal Cal, you know, he's been a That's lifelong epic. guide. He's like, Oh, we're gonna figure this out. We ended up being there till 4 a.m. bowling this thing, a thousand feet down a mountain. So we'd all get it free and roll it. And like, clear, get away. Everyone jumps out of the way because you don't want to get whacked by an antler. All the way down, the, it would go like 50 yards and then get hung up again because it was too steep to actually gut it out. So it took till 4 a.m., got it down a thousand feet that way. Whoa. And then I came back the next morning and gutted it out and been eating the meat all year. It's been amazing.
0: God, what a story, man. Yeah, it was How awesome. How many animals had you killed with a bow? prior to that?
2: Uh probably oof, probably like fifteen let's say.
0: And y'all are travelling y'all are travelling constantly. Are you taking your bow on your trips at all? The places you're going have good hunting? Is it just not is there no time when you're working to
1: There's not that much overlap yeah. for us. I mean we're surfing, right? So there's yeah. a lot of surfing destinations don't have hunting, so but You know, there's the odd trip, like I've done a lot of surf trips to Australia. I've been to Australia probably 30 times and it was, it wasn't until I started bow hunting that I saw Australia in a totally different way because I started meeting like a couple bow hunters there and then I was like, shit, I'm going to, I would, I would go to Australia like twice a year. So I'd start bringing my bow and going bow hunting and the hunting is insane in Australia. There's so many different types of deer and they're, they're all, um, you know, it's kind of like Hawaii where they're all introduced. So it's super relaxed laws and you can kill a lot of deer there and just a lot of fun. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's been one of the places that I, I take my surfboard and my, and my, my bow case.
0: What kind of deer over there?
1: Uh, rusa deer, red deer, um, fallow deer, hog deer, and sambar, sambar deer are we and sambar axis. Deer. Right? An axis deer. They've got axis in yeah.
0: Australia. So a lot of different species. Yeah. But still not like Hawaii. Still not
1: like Hawaii. Spread out, right? Still, but mm-hmm. but awesome hunting. I hunted a uh, hunted red stags completely, um like super, like really wild, free range red stags. Not the not the like cartoon character type with the giant tree on their head, but like the free range wild kind that look like a normal deer really fun got lucky and killed one of them uh hunted rusa deer during their rut which is like crazy they like fight to the death never seen deer so aggressive and violent they tried like literally try to kill each other not sparring but they're trying to kill each other with swords um yeah just really fun it's fun to go on a surf trip for like a week or 10 days and then go on a hunting trip for a week were same you guys place. always
0: aware of Hawaii being an amazing place to hunt birds, deer, hog? Growing up surfing, or were you pretty singular focused on?
1: I grew up on the Big born? Island, so you know where I where I live. um There's a lot of space, a lot of land, um really, really good fishing. So I grew up in the ocean. All my friends were fishermen, and 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 fishing and hunting is kind of like seen in the same way in Hawaii, like. Seems like everybody who fishes also goes hunting, or every like, no matter where you live, someone in your family is really into hunting and really into fishing. And um, I never I don't know, it's up, just a totally natural, normal thing.
0: I mean, everyone in Texas, at least on the Gulf Coast region where I grew up, just idolized Hawaii and the culture. Just like the guys are ripped, the, the chicks are hot. <laughs> 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 I wore OP shorts, I mean, I never surfed. <laughs> Galveston, right? Just yeah, a surfboard was something like to set things on on the beach. um I never thought you could hunt in Hawaii. I didn't think there were birds or deer. Mm-hmm. It just was a sunny place with beautiful water. Um,
2: well, I Texas didn't seemed like either. a place to
0: hunt, and I'm sure there's real hunting in Texas. I mean, I had a four four ten when I was like eight years old, and there were quail before, you know drought and fire ants took them out but deer hunting over there is typically from a stand hunting on a feeder it's not very difficult you know you're shooting a gun at a hundred yards it's sighted in um there's not a lot of spot in stock because there's not a lot of public land and there's a lot of snakes a lot of snakes i wouldn't be yeah, wanting to be not a lot of crawling on my hands and this. knees snakes <laughs> um i'm real new to bow hunting only a couple of years now um and I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather do it than Hawaii.
1: You and killed a buck today with your bow. Yeah. How I was, was that? Three of us before 9 a.m.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Epic. Yeah. Um, I just think that there's not many people that know about the opportunities here beyond a hotel on the beach.
2: Well, even right? actually within Hawaii, because I grew up on Oahu on the North Shore, and we don't have sheep or deer. It's basically you go hunt some stinky, stinky goats or you hunt pigs and most guys run dogs for pigs. So I was so in the ocean all the time because I had surfing and spearfishing, which I did in equal amounts. And uh, I did my hunter education course when I was younger and they teach you about all the stuff. But I always I had this thing in my mind, like the, there's these tiny elusive deer in Hawaii, I didn't realize that like axis deer are big, impressive animals. And, uh, I, I wish I would have realized that earlier, but I didn't, didn't really know anybody who hunted it and especially bow hunted because that is what would resonate with me. You know, it has to be personal if you're going to go and do it and bow hunting as, you know, different strokes for different folks, but bow hunting is like, it's a, it's a different level of, of a connection to that animal. Like I've shot animals before. In commitment, right? Yeah. I don't get I don't get anxious with a rifle. I've shot a couple of animals with a rifle. I don't feel like I need to ever again unless I need meat real bad. Yeah. It just I'm just a weirdo like the that, thrill, I guess.
0: I mean, yeah. It, like you said, different strokes,
2: but Yeah. I and I don't put anybody down who hunts that way. It's just And the deer over here, my management,
0: work. they're they're not native, right? they kind of
2: yep. chew
0: up the plants. So,
2: Well, and the, you know, the ranchers hate them because they compete with the cattle. And uh, there's large ra- cattle ranches on the islands that have them except for lanai. But uh, also, you know, with the golf courses and everything, people aren't too stoked on their golf <laughs> courses getting plowed down. And uh, the state spends God knows how much money you know, eradicating them and shooting them at night, and they still can't keep up with the population. It just continues to boom.
1: And the herds are so huge that if they grow any larger, there's not going to be food for the herd. So then they're suffering because the, the food the herd gets so big that the food source stays the same. And and you know, next thing you know, there's a drought year and they all die or get diseases and stuff. So it's just one of those things where they. It's a good thing they taste good. Is that then we're all out there flinging arrows at them?
0: Of. <laughs> I've enjoyed it immensely, you guys. Super stoked to meet you and uh, spend time on the Nye hunting with you. You've got a place to stay, my little joint. As soon as it's fixed up,
1: I'm gonna take you up on that. JP. I will too. Watch out! I'll All show you up. All you gotta do is
0: uh, <laughs> save a spot for my blonde-headed, blue-eyed six-year-old on the North Shore.
2: Oh, Get easy.
0: Squeezed into a break somewhere. Yeah, That's easy.
2: No problem. <laughs> we'll Can do, do. For sure.
0: Thanks, you guys.
2: Thank yeah, you. No worries.
0: Thanks again for listening to Drifting, presented by Yeti and hosted by me, J.T. Van Zandt. To listen to more episodes, visit Yeti.com or search Drifting on iTunes.